This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. I am Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. <laughs> and I am Lance, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. <laughs> Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 9 of the AMC series titled Puzzle Piece. While we, will, while we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, any future plot lines of the show... We will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 9, so please pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number 2, letter T, podcast.com, or at gmail.com, to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast, much like several of these people did. Uh, first up, we have friend of the friend of the network, David Steele, tweeted at us uh, saying that the Zagnut in the last episode reminded him of Beetlejuice. Yeah. And he, he sent us a, a screenshot of Beetlejuice's hand coming up from the <clears> ground <throat> holding the Zagnut, a large Zagnut, uh, which is awesome. Thank you, David. Uh, I've seen Beetlejuice several times, and I still had no idea what a Zagnut was, so... I don't know. Well, you probably thought it was made up or something. Yeah, I probably it, thought it was made up. It like, sounds like a yeah, fake it, name. It came out several years before I was born, so I guess it was kind of like a... Is that true? It was in the 80s at some point, right? Yeah. Beetlejuice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like 86, Pre-Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, thank you, David, for writing in. Uh, we got a new listener, Corey, who wrote in. He had a good question that actually kind of gets answered in the way that I answered it by a later feedback, but... Corey said, where do all the bodies go? I didn't count, but I'm guessing there are at least two dozen dead angel bodies on Earth. Do they disappear after a day? Do they become compost? Question mark. I don't think they disappear because we see Cassidy dealing with them yeah, sometimes in the first season. But I had the same question about like the whole saint shooting up the, um, the apartment complex. Like, I feel like in the real world, which clearly... The Preacher TV show is not the real world, but... Let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> the the people should be... Like, I feel like people would have left that apartment complex and, like, the police would have been like, what are you guys doing here? Why didn't you get killed? But everybody else on this floor got killed to, like, Jesse and them. And then in my brain, much as Mike says... uh like if the police were around it's not like Jesse wouldn't be able to just tell them to go away as we see him use them like an instrument yeah. for the entirety of this episode pretty much so i think it's an interesting question and i think it's interesting that the show never chooses to kind of deal with the saints uh aftermath i guess or even in the the case of sundown or the episode where all like the angels die hundreds of times and trying trying to kill the seraphim and that kind of thing right mm-hmm. yeah. so i don't know that i need it answered but i think it's kind of a like a weird lingering logistics question like i feel like at some point we could have a we could have a shot where there's just the people coming up to clean 
clean up after the saint. And it's just kind of like a oh, another weird, uh, yeah, right? Another weird instance where there's a shitload of dead people. <laughs> so yeah, you could almost have like that's a, a John Wick thing, right? <laughs> it's in uh, it's in John Wick. Yeah. yeah, you could almost have a spinoff. Uh, season of just one detective following these crime sprees and not being able to figure it out. Yeah, I would chalk it up to either... I I was just kind of assumed that it was because the apartment and the area are so grimy and dingy that nobody cares. They're like, oh, another meth head and and his wife shot each other to death. Although with five apartments in succession, it could also be Grail. I mean, it might be... It might be Grail just cleaning it up. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I mean, they they have their eye on Jesse. They have their ability to insert themselves into the situation Absolutely. pretty and easily. As we've heard even in this episode, like it's the most powerful organization in the world. Yeah. And so they, they are everywhere and they can do anything. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's good, true. Good point, because maybe when Featherstone and Hoover took occupation, I mean, excuse me, um, they occupied that, yeah. that room, yeah. maybe they just left the police told the police not to come there yeah that's yeah. true that's true but yeah it's gonna be their their easy way to explain anything in the show but grail <laughs> and that's the thing is that anything that that like jesse having the word kind of allows them to do whatever they want that's true but the fact that they don't like i guess it makes sense that they don't bother to answer it but i feel like it kind of lingers a little bit but anyway i see what you're saying it's some it's never something that Came up in my mind, though. I was kind of like, oh, whatever. Yeah, that's it's, fair. I, I get it. it. As soon as It's one of those things where as soon as somebody points it out, you'll be like, well, yeah. yeah. But you don't want to be that guy who's like, you know, in Lord of the Rings, we never saw them <laughs> stopping to pee. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. do they go to the... When do they sleep? You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's yeah. just... There's a famous commentary, filler. Ben Affleck, on the Armageddon commentary, where he's like... <laughs> what? He's talking to Michael Bay, and he's saying to Michael Bay, he's like... Wouldn't it be easier to train astronauts how to be oil drillers rather than oil drillers how to be astronauts? <laughs> yeah. And then Michael Bay just goes, "Shut the, shut up, man! Are you serious? Are you gonna ask me this now, Ben? That's not what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah, are you yeah. paying attention or what? Right, right. that's actually awesome. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, thank you, Corey, for writing in. We're glad to have you along. Yeah. Uh, a few things from Mike. He wanted to let us know that uh, he felt that Nick was spot on about uh, Genesis in terms of. Interpreting Mike's feelings on Genesis driving the story in the books, but being just a plot device in the show. So thumbs up to Nick and Lance for piecing those together. Uh, In the comics, the purpose of hell used to be rehab, but it was eventually perverted, which I think is interesting because he he kind of... Yeah. We talked about that a little bit. I was thinking about that because there's there's one specific chapter or, or one specific issue of the book where they really speak heavily about hell and the origin of Genesis kind yeah. of. And I was wondering after we recorded last week, if they had said anything in there about, cause there's some stuff involving the saint and involving hell and involving, uh, like I said, the, the Genesis of Genesis that, yeah. uh, I thought maybe some of that was peppered in there and that's probably what he's referring to. Yeah. Um, and then he also said that he thinks the superintendent's voice modulation modulation may just be a giveaway slash, some kind of way to show that she's a demon hmm. like yeah. an easier cheaper way of portraying a demon rather than like doing some crazy makeup or graphical thing yeah but i don't know it, it's the way it shifts suddenly that makes yeah. me feel like as viewers in 2017 we're supposed to be think that There's that's more like, to it that's a technological boo-boo yeah mm-hmm. if, if it was a demon it'd be hilarious to see like this 
tough looking Asian lady and she just has this deep hell voice the entire yeah. time. Like mm-hmm. that would, uh, that would be funny. I, I would, <laughs> yeah. I'd be into that. <laughs> but, can, uh, or maybe, maybe it is a demon, but the means that keep them disguised are technological in nature. Yeah. yeah. It feels like something's breaking down. Yeah. Or is on the fritz. Yeah. Uh, and then I touched on the uh, on the police thing, as as I said earlier. And then he said, personally though, I think Cassidy he didn't uh, he did not think that Cassidy would bite Denis. Mm. I, I didn't either. So yeah, we will we will reckon with that later. Makes sense here. now though, you know. Yeah. Why he well, did it. you know what? And I I answered it. I answered my own. I argued myself very well, incidentally, at the end of our last episode when you were saying that you thought he probably would, and I said. It would be the irresponsible thing to do. And as I said that out loud, I was like, like, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "You know what? Then he probably will do it." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So thank you, Mike, for writing in. Uh, Bruce wrote in a couple thoughts, and I wanted to apologize. I think I messed up his podcast name. Oh, because his Twitter handle is Script Archaeology, I believe, Uh and. The actual podcast is Screenplay Archaeology. Oh, I think he mentioned that because uh, he, he kept it kept on getting cut off. Like, it's too many characters. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I apologize to Bruce. Please check out his podcast about uh, uh, the previous preacher adaptation attempts. Uh, but he said, uh, he did bring up one thing. He said, I think that the maternity ward was way too bright for Cassie to be standing around in it like that, which is uh, a, good, uh, uh, yeah. a good catch there. Little continuity thing. Well, in um, the books, he I think he always says like, "Yeah, it hurts a little bit." I think him being oh indirect, in, in, indirect sunlight, sunlight yeah. indirect sunlight. I think he says like, "Yeah, it hurts a little bit." And he was wearing that full leather jacket yeah. with like a turtleneck kind of thing, or mm-hmm. like a like a some kind of uh, what is that called ascot or something. Oh, yeah. So you know, maybe maybe he was protected enough. Uh, he said Hoover was great. Can't wait to see him meet Hair Star and maybe offer him some booberry, which I agree that will probably be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, one of the um, like this is a good catch that I did not catch, and I wish I did. He said I think Seamus was the same person Cassidy called way back in the pilot when he first met Jesse in the bar. <clears throat> I noticed the voice on the other end had an Irish accent when I rewatched the first season right before the second began. So I went back and found that scene in the pilot. Cassidy calls a man to let him know that he was found by vampire hunters. He's not sure how they keep finding him. The man on the other end of the phone tells him that he'll look into it and that Cassidy should stay low. And then Cassidy goes to say, I need you to wire me. And then the man hangs up. So it's probably the Seamus that yeah, we totally, last totally, episode, totally. for sure. Man. Uh, so awesome catch uh, to Bruce's credit. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then finally, uh, Joseph wrote in. He said, this was probably my least favorite episode of the series, talking about uh, Puzzle Piece, wow. the, the current one. He said, it felt like most of the episode was retreading old story beats and the pacing was weird. Joseph's last point, he said, the most interesting part of the episode for me was Cassidy cautioning Dennis on lines he shouldn't cross. It's interesting to get a hint that as manipulative, undisciplined, <laughs> and unreliable as Cassidy can be, he's apparently holding himself back from being something worse, which I think is a pretty, pretty good point. From going full vampire, yeah. From from being the kind of vampire that literally plays on preys on humans, like Cassidy. We've never even have we seen Cassidy like feed on a human. Do you guys remember? Yeah, he ate what's his name in season one, Miles. 
to recover. Yeah, the the gov the mayor. Uh, yeah. Do you mean like yeah. stalk and well, yeah, hunter. yeah, and like to, no. to hunt humans. So he doesn't really hunt humans. He did. No. He did like fully recover on Miles at the behest of Emily, <laughs> right? Like her <laughs> kind of request there. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Miles in his Dealing. khakis. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. God, but, that's still one of my favorite moments of the show is watching him stare at those three <laughs> sets of khakis. Identical was, khakis. It was amazing. Yeah. So, I, it, yeah. I, it, Cassidy seems to have a code, and it's it's interesting. Like, we haven't had... Uh, uh, Joseph goes on to say, we didn't get that logical next step of, here's the full conversation of exposition of this is Cassidy's code that he lives right. by. Yeah. So, I, I wonder if we'll ever get that, or if we're just going to get pieces of it, or, you know, how that's going to go, but... I wonder if I may float a theory here. It seems like Seamus, there seems to be a, a sort of a band of vampires out there. Like there's a society of them. And like we were saying, when he calls to, to ask him about Dennis, uh, you know, he asks him the kind of the questions about, the about temperament, his temperament yeah. and that. And it does seem like to, to kind of reiterate something I said last week that, they want to keep their numbers to a manageable level and to make sure that <clears throat> there's nobody there that could go could go rogue either to risk exposing them yeah or to give them a bad name yeah maybe they have an uneasy truce with like the catholic church or something we don't really know uh and i wonder if based on uh was it bruce who pointed out the uh, the pilot mm-hmm. conversation yes. with probably yep. Seamus. I wonder if they're the ones sicking vampire hunters on Cassidy because he's like, I just have, I have this weird feeling that Cassidy is an accident. Like he's an accidental vampire, but they, they keep him around for some reason. Mm. <clears throat> this isn't stemming from anything from the book either. Like, yeah. I, I don't, there aren't really other vampires in the book. Um, well, there is, there in a special, there is. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there's a small arc that kind of has to do with it, but there really aren't. There's there's not like this there's there's never a phone call with another vampire yeah. unless there is mm-hmm. in the special. No, not really. Okay, I haven't read the special, so yeah. uh, Lance has got me there. So but, you're, seeing, you're seeing maybe maybe Seamus is because I, Cassidy's <laughs> like the outcast. Seamus is directing them his way as yeah, to either I, be I, like, well, we're either gonna take out yeah. vampire hunters or we're gonna take out Cassidy. I'm just kind of getting the weird vibe that like he's he's kind of an outcast and he's sort of like the runt of the litter. And I feel like maybe he was turned, he was turned by another vampire who wasn't supposed to turn him like someone who broke the broke out of the code. I'm using air quotes here. Uh, and so they're like, well, he's already around. He's, we don't want to kill him, but we don't have to like keep him around. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I feel like there's more to it than, Especially with you know this the the way that it's kind of shady like he always he's calling him for money it's almost like a parental kind of thing yeah so it could be like you said the person who turned him but maybe it's like more of like a, a guardian type role somebody who has to deal with him but would rather not yeah which sounds awful in the role of where that happens <laughs> with, with real people so I apologize mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know there's something more to that that I I have this funny feeling about that Cassidy's kind of like a just he's like a rogue vampire like. A- yeah, but maybe not not rogue because I feel like that, like he's doing it intentionally. Like he was almost just kicked out, and like you just mm. stay out there and you follow these like five core tenets, and we won't kill you. But maybe like somehow vamp, you know, if he's calling him saying, "Yeah, I don't know how they keep finding me," it feels like maybe they're being directed towards him. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, maybe 
I don't know. I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Yeah, we're getting that's that's a lot of uh, we're trying to extrapolate from two very small data points on the line. So I think hopefully we get more in the future and can kind of yeah, it just if, feels if it is even going to be that big of a thing in the show. Right? Like, yeah, it may not be. We've heard Seamus on the phone twice now. Maybe <laughs> so. Those questions are just very. They seem very telling. Yeah, they're very specific. Yeah, and they're really interesting. Yeah, so I'm excited to hear more about that. Thank you, Joseph, for writing in uh, very much. We appreciate it quite a bit. And everybody else as well. Thank you very much. Uh, On to the recap of this episode. This is episode 209, Puzzle Piece. In the teaser, the Grail Grunts prepare an identical office for Hair Star, potentially in New Orleans. I thought it was interesting that it looks exactly the same from the interior as the other one from last week. Not just because they only use like a green screen in the background, but that's funny. Uh, Jesse flashes back to his father's murder as we hear the sound cue mentioned in past episodes of our podcast, uh, being the fish tank at Mike's or the family business line or the Angelville poster. Um, the one that Nick has said has been, they're beating us over the head with at this point. Yeah. Uh, Jesse takes to YouTube to look into God sightings when Cassidy comes in to heat up some blood, explaining that Denis is getting better and will make it. And he snottily kind of mentions that he didn't need Jesse after all. Tilla comes home from a long night at the Hurt Locker after getting shot three times with a forty-four. Cassie tries to tell her to give it a rest, but Jesse snaps at him. And then Tulip then snaps at Jesse when uh, he says that she needs sleep. So he approaches her and uses the word to put her to sleep. And finally, Featherstone and Hoover show footage of Harris, show the footage of that to Hare Star, and he is unimpressed, so he orders them to kill everyone involved. Uh, yeah, fun teaser. Um, a lot kind of have a lot and nothing kind of happen at the same time, but you know, we obviously get the idea. Like, did you guys just assume as soon as Cassidy walked in and said, Denise going to get better that he had bitten him? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Good thing I didn't yeah. bet on it. I, but what I will say, and we talked about last week, how the scene on the staircase with Jesse and, and Tulip was really sad. Mm hmm. This teaser was sadder to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Because they are kind of... It's like it's almost like open season between the three of them just being shitty to each other. And it's... Like, I felt like they were such good buds at the end of season one and heading into this season. And now to see them kind of, like, barely tolerating each other in the same room, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Like, it... it you can feel it. You can definitely feel it, the distance between all of them, the way they talk to each other is very curt. Yeah. And and so an interesting thing to point out is that um, Seth Rogen had mentioned that the first season didn't have any scenes with all three of them. And now season two is all scenes with all three of them. Yeah. And you get we're exploring that and we're, we're kind of breaking them apart just all in the same shot. Yeah. That's very that's that very is, interesting. That's a cool observation. But I yeah, I just like watching that the first time I watched through that scene, I just felt like shit. I was like, <sighs> God damn it. My my buds are not they're not good anymore. They're not jiving anymore. My so. buds are not good. <laughs> so I didn't really like it. That's funny. I I liked the stairwell scene a lot more. No, and I, I think that was a much more skillful shot and, and in ter- even in terms of the placement and literally putting distance between them and having them on different planes and like absolutely, but for some reason this one hit me harder. 
like them being openly curt and cutting and all of that to each other. Like, I feel like it's, we're, we're starting to come to a head. What's weird. I would agree if they stayed that way, but they're like all good for the rest of the episode. It's weird. Like they have this moment of like, like it was pretty nasty and I think I didn't like it right off the bat. I was kind of like, I don't like this because it was too, it something about the writing and it just didn't really jive as much for me. I thought it was a little too, I don't want to say on the nose, but I'm fisted. <clears throat> yeah, maybe some. So this seems to be a thing that's happening in season two for me a little bit. Sometimes the interactions between Tulip and Jesse that are, that are negative I just feel like they aren't written well. They, the, they're both amazing actors. And in their scenes where they're amicable with each other, they're great. And in the scenes where they have conflict with Cassidy, they're great. But against each other, for some reason, a lot of it doesn't work for me. And I don't know why. It's, I think it's because like maybe because Jesse just flip-flops so hard. Sometimes he's really angry and irritated with her. And then in some scenes, he's not at all. He like doesn't react. He just sits there. Yeah. And I feel like it's just inconsistent writing on the part of Jesse. Like he's he's playing every scene specifically how that scene is written rather than I don't trying feel, to keep it cohesive throughout. Right. The, and and I'm I don't want to keep saying this over and over but I probably will so strap yourself in. But like <laughs> Jesse in the book you always know how he's going to react. Yeah. And that's part of the fun. That that's part of what makes you feel like you know that character and you're along for the ride with him. And in this show I never know how he's going to react to anything hardly. Some some big swing and things I'm like okay, here it comes or I know what he's going to do, but in, I seriously, like, it's a scene-by-scene scene basis with, with Tulip, especially. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be irritated with her or if he's going to be understanding or if he's going to show that he loves her and, like, and listen and try to help. It's just that the level of inconsistency there is starting to, to grate on me a little bit. And even when Cassidy snipes at him like he did, I, I, I was like, you know what, Jesse's just going to take the shot because he deserves it. And yeah. he's probably going to either take it because he knows he deserves it or because... He doesn't care. And he's like, wait, whatever. Like, I made the right choice. And I think something is still going to go really south with Dennis. And Cassidy's going to be angry at Jesse to be like, if you had just helped him. Or, you know, Cassidy's going to say, I, I had to turn him because you you made me do it. Is basically. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that if Dennis goes rogue and he becomes like this vampire menace listening to opera full blast, <laughs> just keeping up the neighbors <laughs> like any bad teenager. <laughs> uh Cassidy's gonna, you know, he, Cassidy may have to put him down, or somebody's gonna have to, and and he's gonna get mad at Jesse, and it's your fault, kind of yeah. thing. So like, I I understand the dynamic between Cassidy and Jesse; it makes more sense, and I can I can chart it out. Yeah. But his conversations with the Tulip are just like this this wave going back and forth. Yeah, because I, I can never get a beat on it. It's very like the. It's like he acknowledges there's a problem. Like he knows there's something wrong, but he's like not willing to put in any effort to really figure it out. Yeah. Even judging by their like the conversation that they have later in the episode, like he's not he's he's still so focused on his shit that he's not able to to deal with it. Like he's just telling her to to deal with it herself or like, you know, why don't you just sleep? Like that's what you need. You need sleep. And he's not we're showing no signs of him him uh, recognizing the issue, and I think that if it, excuse me, if it was a uh, consistently that way throughout yeah. the episode, I'd be okay with it. But in that scene, he does genuinely seem to be worried about her. Yeah, and 
I think that maybe with just a little bit more direction, maybe like I, I don't know if Jesse's just kind of placating her and if he's like, all right, I'm just going to use the word to get this problem off my plate because I need to focus on other stuff. Because yeah. later he's all peppy again when he's like got the walkie talkie and he's got the cleaning crew and oh, yeah. he says good morning to her. And he's all yeah. like he's all chipper again because he's back on the mission. But something about that scene like just threw it for me. But I did love that he used the word on her, and you see Cassidy look at him like, "Oh yeah, yeah, the Cass- fuck, yeah." <laughs> well, and here's here's another thing that I was gonna bring up. Mike Mike wrote a thing. Uh, he wrote in, in in one of his loquacious emails. He said, "Quick thoughts: Jesse is so much less effective in the show, and his use of the word is like a sledgehammer as opposed to the scalpel it should be." I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah. I did I did read that in his yeah. email, and I wanted to talk about it. And and like that is. Like it feels like we had Tulip very clearly in the the first episode of this season be like, Don't you or even even I think it was at the in the finale of last yep. season. Yeah. She's like, Never do that Never to do me that again. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's done it twice now to her. I think in this season? It's been twice this season. Yeah. This season, yeah. Yeah, in this season. Yeah. So it's like and there hasn't really been that much consequence to him doing it either. Like she Tulip gets getting, pissed about it. She, she, she keeps getting irritated. real upset. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like I don't know. Like it, when when it was with Victor and telling her to go away because of Victor. Like obviously when the situation diffused, she I think she was just relieved that nobody ended up dead and that she probably got the outcome she wanted in terms of divorce papers, but. In this case, him very much being like it felt like that conversation for them should have been a much bigger blow up mm-hmm. than it was. Like there's, this should actually come to a head. I don't think it has yet. Mm-hmm. Like we see Tulip later on in this episode being very, she like something is off. She's yeah. nuts. She's sleep deprived, even though she had a good night's sleep. Like there's something going wrong there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still. Mm-hmm. And Jesse still doesn't deal with it. And it just feels very against several of the scenes that we see, but not all of them, as Nick is saying. So I, I think that's... But anyway, to get to Mike's point about the, the sledgehammer versus the scalpel, uh, I, I want you guys to maybe comment on that because obviously I don't know... I don't know what using Genesis as a scalpel would really be. He maybe What I think he may be referring to is that when Jesse uses Genesis in the comic, then it's like you wouldn't expect it to be like in order, but it is. And like, if I could compare it to one that was in the show, when he says like, get lost to somebody, yeah, you're like, what does that mean? Get lost, you know? Like, yeah. but here he's just like, you work for me. And so that's very literal. And so when he says something in the comic, it doesn't sound literal, but then people literally do what he says. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one I can think of is uh, in the in the show that immediately sprung to mind is in the first episode of this season when he tells the guy to whistle uh, or to sing. Mm-hmm. What does he sing? Uh, Yellow Rose of Texas. Yeah. 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 And the guy doesn't stop until he gets shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just keeps going and that's yeah. exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. Like I think you would... When he uses the word, it's like Lance says, it's very literal and it, whatever he tells you to do, I think will be carried out until you can either no longer do it or until you're done with whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. it's almost, you know, if he, 
I can't even think of. I can't even like, make up an example. I, All I can think of are specific ones that I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I guess, I guess what I'm what I'm maybe sussing out from what you guys are saying is that it feels like in this case that the word is becoming a way for the the writers to deal with things that they don't want to deal with, well, as opposed I, to being like something that Jesse is employing, like. Maybe I guess maybe you should comment on on the use of like Jesse's employment of the police force in this episode. Like, how does that track in the sledgehammer versus scalpel? Uh, I think that's. I think he would do that. I mean, he. I don't think he would necessarily want to put like innocent people, uh, in in, in, in some serious harm's way. Yeah, but I think the bigger thing that stands out for me is Jesse in the comic would never use the word on tulip if she asked him not to, unless. In the most extreme of circumstances. Yeah. Like he, unless he is like so sure what he's doing is like the right thing, even if it's not, you know what I mean? And there's, there's a specific instance where he uses it on, on Cassidy in the book. Uh, and he, he just, he doesn't use it haphazardly or for like little stuff. And like the sleep one, I, I would get it if it was like, if it was just a better done scene where yeah. like he sees she's in pain and he thinks it's the right thing to do. Like he just does it to like get it off his plate. Yeah. And I think that although he is worried about her, he's just not like, he's not thinking through his decision enough and it's just like uh sleep. That'll do it. Yeah. Rather than be more specific. Like, cause it's maybe all he can handle and sleep I, and don't dream about the saint of killers. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I think on purpose later, later in the episode when he's like, it's all that I like, it's all that I, could have done like it's it was the only option that i had right it rings very hollow right even in his performance and i think that's on purpose so i i think there's got to be a reckoning of some sort coming for all of that but yeah we'll see when that happens so there should be because the word is a uh it's a terrifying thing to be on the receiving end of i'm sure and Mm -hmm. even to be in the company of yeah and the the re and they must really, really have a lot more faith in in TV Jesse than I do, because Tulip and Cassidy both seem to be okay with hanging around this guy all the time, who yeah. is using this at a whim. Because yeah. in the book, he doesn't he doesn't really do it unless somebody really has it coming, or it's going to help him mm-hmm. with something important. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's you know it's one of those things. All I can think of is like that you can compare it to is like X Men, like Professor Xavier, and you think about like how how much power that is and how terrifying that is to not. I mean, he could he could literally make Tulip, he could make her forget the whole encounter with the yeah. Santa Killers, mm-hmm. but then you're tampering with someone's mind and their memory, and that's yeah. scary and also a slippery slope, you know? Yeah, he could make. I mean, he can do anything. It's crazy. Yeah, like there's a whole X Men comic arc about how Professor Xavier shoveled all this history out of everyone's yeah. minds yep. and it's so awesome it's an awesome story <laughs> but it basically turns him into a villain yeah mm. which is really sad if you're an x-men fan you're like oh no yeah chuck what you done yeah there's but, a good there's a good arc in uh even in buffy about that with willa doing some witchcraft that yeah it's scary stuff and, and people's minds it's uh it's awesome subject matter but i feel like it needs it needs to be explored a little bit. At least that the, the, these characters need to have a conversation about it. Like they need to sit down. And if by like the end of this, like I don't feel like we've been heading there. Maybe we have, and maybe by the end of the season, I'll I'll feel okay about it. But like if this season was a reckoning for Jesse in terms of like him learning that he needs to be careful with what he's doing, maybe that'll be okay in the end. But I don't see that those pieces are coming together yet. It just seems like he's very haphazardly. 
Like, I guess maybe that was even supposed to be Eugene. Like, that's true. Yeah, they go to hell. He didn't know that was going to happen. He, right. felt, he felt like he feels bad about it, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not like it didn't teach him to not be a dick with it, you know? Yeah, yeah and, and you in finding and rescuing Eugene is not in the top 10 of his to-do list right <laughs> no. now. Or it should probably no. be number one. Yeah. 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 Besides so. fight God, so it's number two. <laughs> All right. But great observation, the sledgehammer versus um, scalpel. I mean, that's just even a poetic way of putting it. Yeah. Because, um, you know, good 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 stuff yeah and uh yeah and i would i would agree with like why why is tulip sticking around why is even cassidy sticking around jesse's being crappy to them yeah uh, i might say that tulip and him have a thing going on where they say until the end of the world yeah but then cassidy and him they have a little more bond in the comic because of the things they do for each other yeah here they have just a, a friendship bond i'd say that's that's just like we're mates, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cass just has no place else to go at this point. I mean, yeah. he's got, he's done it all, you know, like what, what's, what's going to be better than hanging out with a, a crazy preacher looking for God who can tell people to do like, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that it's, it's just out of interest, but yeah. it is weird that nobody has, has bothered to like kind of talk about it. Yeah. Actually the sledgehammer scalpel thing reminds me of, uh, I know this is an old saying and I've heard it before, but I was just reading something today that said it, um, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. And it's, I think it perfectly sums up the way Jesse uh, totally. is using the word. Totally. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the teaser? <laughs> yeah, it was something else you said. But Another half an hour. I don't... Featherstone and Hoover showing the footage to Hair Star. Oh, no. The thing about the office. So, did they... Is that what was happening? They they recreated his office to the to the exact detail? I think so. Like, I think that was his New Orleans... Obviously, he goes on the date with the woman later, and yeah. she's the daughter of the mayor of Louisiana. So he's still in Louisiana. Governor of Louisiana. That makes sense. That, I didn't get that for some reason. I thought I thought it was like when he's out of the office, they they totally shut it down and cover it with everything, so nobody goes in there. And it's like <laughs> that's what I thought too. Actually, I was left, like, this guy's particular. Yeah, exactly. So they have to uncover all the furniture and like everything is precisely <laughs> as he left it. But no, that. It, it makes more sense and it's more outrageous that they <laughs> redesign it to a T. Well, the skyline changed in the. Back. Oh, you know what? It's probably not that. They, it's probably that it's always there. They probably have one in every city, yeah. every major city, and it just sits covered until until he needs to be there. And, so he yeah. comes, they come and prep it. That makes more sense. That, yeah, I love that scene. It was, no, it was, it was pretty the good. Slow, the 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 slight slow motion of everything and and just the. I've, a lot of these extras in the show, they must cast like dancers or something as these, because these people all move with such fluidity and such grace in a lot of these kind of sequences that I'm always like really captivated. Like the last guy to leave that room, I was watching him walk. I was like, man, that's smooth. <laughs> it just looks so choreographed. And yeah. I don't know, they, they must cast a lot of models or something like that. People who are very used to controlling their movements with precision. Yeah. I guess that's actors, but whatever. Huh. Depends on the actor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought that was because I looked at it and I was like, I don't see the like the egg building, the, the one in London that right, spirals yeah. up in the yacht. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I don't see that back there. And I thought it was there last last time we saw this office. And I was That's like, a good oh, it must, it must be. Yeah, they probably just have offices in every city. Yeah, it would make sense or every major city, which is which is a great way to recycle the same set. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's a fantastic explanation no, for that. So that's that's beautiful. That but. probably happens in the books too, and I'm just not remembering. They probably have a, a field office everywhere. But yeah. any anyway, uh, it was a wonderful sequence. I loved that. It yeah. was one of those real beautiful cinematic uh, preacher moments. The hair star stuff continues to be. Oh God, he's just best. fantastic. 
All right. Uh, Lance is just smiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Act one, we get uh, a Grail SWAT team prays in the back of their van for their mission to go well as they gear up, specifically wearing hearing protection to guard against the word. We see the first person night vision perspective from all the team members as they raid Denise's apartment. They get attacked by Cassidy, but as several of them are busy with Cass, one soldier proceeds to clear the apartment, shooting Denis and attempting to shoot Tulip before he is thwarted by Jesse. Jesse rips off his hearing protection to use the word on him to force him to kill his teammates, and just as Jesse realizes he can interrogate the man, Denis pops out and sucks the blood out of him before Jesse has the time to learn anything. Uh... What did you think of the of the night vision sequence? The Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know I don't know if it's at the Catherine Bigelow level, but I thought it was. It was cool. I was really kind of super bummed out that it happened this early, though. Yeah. The uh, the ear protection mm-hmm. happened way too soon. I think uh, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing I was waiting. I knew it was gonna come, and I was kind of waiting for it to happen. Later. Yeah, like, like I, I guess I could see like what I'm, what I'm imagining from you saying that is maybe some interaction with Jesse where he's able to just completely, well, control the situation. It, it, and I think Mike kind of hinted to this, and I, I, I may be wrong, but part of the fun of Hairstar and the Grail is as omnipotent and all powerful as they are, they're kind of bumbling <laughs> yeah. and they goof things up all the time, and I kind of wanted all these guys to go into it without ear protection for it just be a bloodbath yeah and and like an utter total complete failure and it was i guess on paper but at least they went in smart enough to cover their ears and i kind of didn't want them to think of that i wanted yeah. them to be like just get in there and shoot them what's the big deal mm-hmm. but somebody had the foresight to tell them like featherstone totally was the one yeah that who like, said oh wear ear protection yeah. because he can tell you what to do mm-hmm. but I would have liked it so much more if they had walked in and you set up the seat because you as a viewer, you wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah. You probably wouldn't have thought about it, but they call such attention to the ear. And it was cool in the, in the, in the doom style POV of the guy running to just hear his breath. And yep. that really racked up the tension. Yeah. But at the same time, it would have been how awesome and hilarious it would have been if, if they built up this really cool sequence and it's really tense. And all of a sudden, Jesse just walks in and is like, shoot each other and then leaves the room and they all just <laughs> blow each other away. <laughs> that would have been so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good teaser if right. that's how the episode opened. Exactly, yeah. That would have been pretty good. Or he just tells them all to jump out the window and they all just do it. And, <laughs> and then and then you see hair start being like in his office like, were you kidding well, me? Yeah. Like, and then they have to figure it out. Yeah, we didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty good. It's It was cool. It was cool that they called attention to it and I understand it's there may not be any use in dragging it out. I but. feel like Feather, like it, it's, it is in character for Featherstone to be that detail oriented for yes. that is like that's kind of why i'm like i get why it would have happened this way but definitely but she because star kind of laughs it off and he's like whatever like what kind of superpower is that yeah says, <laughs> in, in what world where a, where a woman does what a man tells her to is, is that a superpower <laughs> yeah. like some some joke about that which is which is also pretty in line with hair star but uh i feel like in the book Featherstone might float some ideas like that by him and he would probably just disregard him. Like, what do you yeah. know? Yeah, you don't need that. Exactly. Yeah. Although yeah. this Featherstone is pretty different from she's the boss in the book, but she's for the better though. She's yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was still a cool sequence, but I, w- I was a little bummed out that it happened so early. I was like, this is the first like, cause even when the, the grail comes at him in the van, he just fights him off. He yeah. Just beats him up. He doesn't use the word on him. Uh, he tells him to stop, but other than that, like, he stops the van by telling them oh, to right. stop, but that's the only... Yeah, he yeah, doesn't use the word to have them 
kill each other. I guess that may have just been another instance of sledgehammer versus scalpel, but I yeah. think it would have been hilarious to watch all these guys shoot each other to yeah. death in the, in the kitchen. If I heard it correctly, I think he was saying, like, he was like, K- kill your friends. Like, he, he, he was like, I'm going to say it, and then he's like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And then he's like, no, I'm going to make them kill each other. Interesting. I, I think I, I might have heard it twice. All right. I didn't catch that. I'll have to go back and, yeah. and see if that. Yeah, uh, because yeah. maybe it's like, it's like, oh, this is the wrong thing to do. But you know what? I mean, these guys like, have I'm guns. Gonna die. Yeah. 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 No, so. I can see that. Yeah. I remember there being something, yeah, a bit of a hesitation there. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was cool. That was intense. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of shit that does happen where they see the, the, con- the consequences yeah. of this sort of thing. I think they yeah. kind of set it up too, where this guy, did, did the guy in the SWAT, the guy who actually killed everybody, wasn't he like, these are my friends or something like that? I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking. He said, like, yeah. the, the guy next to him said, I love you. And then he yeah, said, I love you Yeah, that was back. it. Like, that, yeah. like they, they, they have a real, like, brothership in, mm-hmm. in the SWAT team, essentially. Right. But right. Made it all the worse when he, when he, I like that. <laughs> when he was, like, crying as he was killing everybody. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It was nasty. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the Grail dudes are, they're probably recruited at a young age and, you know they're they're probably supposed to be the best of the best and yeah. they they live you know live together or whatever like, yeah it's it was sad yeah but oh well that's grail for you you are just a, a decimal point to hair star seeing Cass in the background fighting five dudes <laughs> was pretty good too like I enjoyed that because it was like it's just a very fleeting moment where where the first person person looks back to kind of see him doing it he's like okay i'm gonna go into this bedroom instead but they can handle this one guy yeah yeah Cass. i mean he seemed to get pretty quickly overpowered by all those dudes and i suppose five highly trained men would be able well, to subdue you but i was kind was, of expecting some vampire hulk out strength where you're he, throwing guys around the apartment he was overpowered but he kept them busy for the entire thing though That's so true. it's kind of like because there are some moments in the book where he he hulks, work. he hulks out, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, he's got that vampire strength. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, he didn't go down. They probably were wondering, like, what the hell are we fighting? Why is he not dead with all the bullets? So did he jump him? off the fridge like a cat or what? Where was he? <laughs> yeah, I don't hmm. know. I don't know how... Because he like comes flying out from the ceiling, and I was like, "What was he on? Yeah, <laughs> was he just doing the? It must, yeah, it would have been on top of the fridge. Yeah, because that's where like the fridge is up against the corner there, according to last episode. That's but. hilarious. Hmm. Yeah, I was a little surprised that they knew they were coming. Like that, well, that kind of caught me off guard too. Because as they were coming up, I was like, I know the guys are gonna find their way out of the situation, but I don't know how yet. Yeah. And there was really no indicator as to how they knew they were coming that night because this sort of full frontal assault has not occurred. Well, when they open up the door, somebody's standing in the hallway. Is it Jesse? I thought it was Jesse. In the hallway to the building? No, like in in the hallway to the back bedrooms. Oh of the yeah, apartment. no, that was Jesse for okay. sure. Because then he kind of runs off. But Cass was already in position. On Cass, the yeah, Cass was oh, already yeah. in position. Unless Get that's ready. where he hangs out at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Could be. Yeah. He's up there looking for Oreos or something. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. That, no, it, it did seem like they were ready for them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I guess I could be wrong. Any other thoughts on that act? It was mostly just that yeah. assault, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. No, it was neat. I, I love the action in this show. It's yeah. great. My favorite still is Jesse fighting them all outside the van. It was just so, so totally. well done. Yeah. But this was great. It all made right. me want to go back and watch Zero Dark Thirty again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, act two, Hairstar discusses his disenchantment with a young woman on a date. The woman responds with her own story about disenchantment, but Hairstar dismisses it 
and orders her to remove her shirt and hold butter under her chin <laughs> as he is called <laughs> away to deal with Hoover and Featherstone. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Uh, as he goes to kill Hoover, the gun jams on him, and Featherstone unjams it just lo- and takes just long enough doing so to convince Hairstar to let them have another crack at Jesse and his people with bread. Tulip is as despondent as ever and walks into the bathroom and doesn't even notice the loose, loose tile where Jesse is keeping the Saints weapons. She exits to find all the Dead Grail SWAT team and Jesse ordering cops to work for him. They can't get any fingerprints or IDs on the Grail people, so Jesse sets up a perimeter for a future attack. Um, yes, yeah, so that date. <clears throat> awesome. What, like, yeah. I, I'm just baffled as to what was going to happen in that situation. I mean, listen, we've all had first dates just like that. And <laughs> yeah, I've had the butter under my chin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I took you to dinner. <laughs> yeah, no that that was that was uh, that was pretty. The best part was his utter disgust at her story yeah that yeah so funny yeah he's like he's offended that he that she would waste his time it's like they, such a... they laugh all the time what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> even her star knows how kids work sure oh it was awesome yeah uh and she was the daughter of the governor yes i believe yeah, yeah. that yeah. was interesting because i wonder like i mean the grail's reach must be so intense that the, the the governor is like okay you are straight up payola to this maniac like you just do whatever he tells you to and don't question it or even look uncomfortable or but he, like even like uh yeah because yeah the fact that she's even receptive to like take her shirt with no off hesitation with no hesitation and stick butter under your chin yeah that's that's fair but i was just kind of thinking of it as like the uh the uh like like in the in the sense of royalty like you the, you're going to you're going to marry this person because it it is good for our family kind of yeah. thing mm-hmm. that was kind of what i got out of it but you're yeah, right she doesn't she doesn't hesitate at all she also said something in the beginning she was like oh you got the whole restaurant closed down it's like if you're the governor's daughter maybe you, maybe you have that kind of pull too yeah. i don't know but maybe maybe new orleans i don't know much about new orleans so yeah new orleans yeah. the food's it's pretty yeah i don't yeah. i don't know that anybody gets special treatment in new orleans mm-hmm. but maybe yeah um <laughs> i just if you're going to nail the casting of one character <laughs> hairstar's a great choice oh yeah <laughs> and i'm glad they nailed him and cassidy yeah i mean everybody else is very very good but they're not like perfect translations yeah necessarily they may be different interpretations that are very satisfying but holy shit is he so good yeah yeah uh then well the scene with him and featherstone and hoover yeah the comic book cassidy would berate him really bad but this was a was a good comic book star. I mean, sorry, excuse me, comic book star. Yeah. Uh, but this is a, this is a good alternative because you know he's physically like, it's like in the way he's like holding the gun too. He's just like it's not working. Okay, <laughs> like, I'll try again. I have to find but, another yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a good observation. Uh-huh. Now, it was something funny about that because I was like, is it a fake gun? Does he know it's fake? Like it was something mm-hmm. the way he was looking at it, just like again annoyed. Like mm-hmm. he won't be bothered to fix it. I almost thought uh, Featherstone might have jammed it mm. ahead of time, there but it's not like we get any context or anything. Oh, the tarp! Yeah, but the whole tarp thing was so funny. Yeah, yeah. I like, leave well. the tarp out. We'll <laughs> 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 <You'll> be waiting. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, that they just know that's what's coming, and like 
uh, is it on the way there or when who, they're sitting out they're waiting for him and Hoover's, they're, yeah they're Hoover, waiting Hoover. for him in in the office with the tarp out and Hoover's like I love you I love you <laughs> oh, yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, in the books he when Hairstar is introduced he's already working alongside them like they're not they're not subordinate like like well I mean they, uh, they are well, they are his subordinates yeah. but like he already knows them mm-hmm. and he knows what they're capable of and, and more largely what they're not capable of so I do like that we're getting to see the moment where hair stars like maybe these two balance each other out somehow. Because yeah. I think comic hair star also, he would berate them. Like you said, I don't know if he'd go to execute them right away. He'd probably be like, why waste more cannon fodder that I can just throw at a problem? Yeah. He just would probably not be thinking about it. Yeah. But his his immediate like desire to just blow them both away is really <laughs> funny <laughs> and really dark, obviously, but... Uh, I do think Featherstone is really crafty with her, mm. like you said in, in your recap here, her usage of time to, it seemed pretty quick to me, but she knew that she can do this and explain how they can be helpful. And then if he still wants to shoot them, he can. And I, I feel like part, part of her, like she, I don't think she did that to save Hoover. She no. did it to get all of that explanation out. And if Hoover died, she would have been like, Oh, well, but maybe I'll still get a crack yeah, at it. Sure. Was is the read that I get. Off She's going to prove herself anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think Brad was? I had an idea of who Brad was. I thought I, I obviously I thought it was a person. Yeah. But, um, I had an idea that maybe it's somebody that they, they call upon yeah. for certain things. Special situations. Yeah. There is, there is someone that's related to that in the comic okay. diff- different different guy you know what I'm talking about no I don't think so At, uh, yeah uh, I, won't, I won't say more yeah, than well, that you can yeah. Yeah. But, um, you can just text me yeah or write it right on your notepad <laughs> there you go right, right on your notepad, notepad. Uh, unless I don't know we'll, we'll talk about that later no I didn't really know though I figured it was something new <laughs> I I'm not <laughs> I was hoping that they had somehow roped Brad Pitt to come on the hmm. show. Oh my god! And just like like Seth Rogen called him up and was like, "Hey, I want you to do this one thing." And like maybe they call Brad Pitt in to like charm people and get into a situation, <laughs> or like Bradley Cooper, or Bradley, <laughs> like some some famous Brad. That out would there. have been really funny. Yeah, but maybe a little too close to reality. Or what if it was the oldest son from from uh, from Home Improvement? No. I take it back. That's who I thought it was. <laughs> which, no. Uh, which one was that? Uh, uh, his Well, his name it, in the show was Brad, but I can't remember. Was it Zachary Ty Bryan? Or was he the youngest one? Might no, be, that was Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was the middle one. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. This is not the anyway, Home Improvement Podcast, matter. but we could yeah. totally do that. <laughs> Actually, one year I floated the idea to Alex that he and I should dress as Tim Taylor and Al Borland for Halloween, and it would have been really good. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It'd still be really Alex good. Alex has the perfect Al beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do call it the Al Borland sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> as you should. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I didn't. I didn't really have a real clear guess on who Brad was going to be. I was excited as hell to find out, though. I was like, yeah. "Whoa, they're bringing in something nasty, <laughs> cool." Yeah, I thought all the fake out Brads were Brad for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then let's see, Tulip being despondent after waking up, obviously, uh, not immediately angry because, like, obviously she realized what happened to her as, as like later on in the episode, but. Um, what'd you think of her foot tapping that tile where he hid the, like, I thought she was going to find it. I thought she was going to open it up and like grab them and be like completely. Yeah. I mean, if she finds them, I don't know what'll happen. I don't know if she can even wield them. 
I don't know yeah. if a person can carry that because we know the bullet, how it impacts our physical stuff. But I mean, if she takes that gun to the hurt locker, you can get up from that. Mm-mm. I mean, if she can even use it. But I don't really know. I think that maybe the loop on this particular saint problem will not be closed until she deals with it yeah. herself. I kind of, I kind of feel like she, she might find the guns, and kind of ask, "What are these doing here?" I thought it was gone because yeah. that's what. Yeah, Jesse... I thought the guns would go. Why do you still have them? Yeah, and maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe if she finds the guns and talks to Jesse about it, she might basically demand like, "Take me to where he's at," and like, it, it, she may need like a face your fears Some type kind thing. Of closure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, to kind of snap out of out of her like. PTSD she's got going on. Yeah. I don't know. But I think I'm pretty confident she will find them this season. Yeah. And uh whatever kind of trouble that's gonna cause for Jesse, I'm sure yeah. we'll we'll see. I feel like he did a put like the <laughs> there was like a rug over it when he originally put him down there. <laughs> it's <laughs> like <laughs> clearly not the, the best hiding. Yeah, they're but. they're bad at hiding things from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got like the the little stash of the uh, the money all up in the air conditioning, and yep. he just puts guns near the toilet in a loosest tile in yep. New Orleans. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on this act? This is also where the police are, uh, you know, working for Jesse. That you know, the cops working for Jesse, I really didn't mind. I was like, I get it; it makes sense. It's a smart thing to do. Like, get the get the authorities on your side, and and. and you know, use what you have. Yeah. I got it. I was like, okay, I'm down. Yeah. It may have been a little blunt at times, but... Sledgehammery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even the scene at the end of the episode where he says you can go, I kind of expected them all to just like, to see them walking around with like their pants like wet and like, like they literally... Yeah, they never moved. They right, exactly. Eat. They, didn't they didn't eat. Yeah, yeah they haven't slept. They, I thought about they've that. They've all just been relieving themselves in their pants. Because like hmm. that, that's what would happen. Yeah, like, sure. In, in comic uh, preacher, they wouldn't they wouldn't stop to take pee breaks. Yeah. Unless he told them, you work for me now, I'll take a pee break every 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts for Act 2? Lance? I'm good. All right. I love your hairstyle impression, Lance. Please keep. keep yeah, it's very it. oh, good. Sure. Both of you have very good. Yeah, Lance's is better. <laughs> okay. it's good. Uh, act three: Jesse prepares for the Grail with a full police perimeter, as the while the Grail preps Brad and prostitutes for Hairstar. Hairstar <laughs> takes time aside from excuse me, excuse me, not prostitutes, professionals. Professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hairstar takes time aside from reading up on prison architecture to peruse Jesse's file. <laughs> Uh, Cassidy is healing up from the earlier fight with the help of Denis, who is over the moon about being a vampire. When he accidentally burns his arm, Cassidy warns him that he needs to be more careful and that he should only be drinking blood when he needs to heal. Jesse checks in with Cassidy to see how he is and if he can prepare for another fight with the Grail, but Cassidy warns he's not the one they should worry about. After retelling a tale about Tulip healing an earache with a fight, he thinks she needs to fight the Grail in order to shake her existential funk. She reluctantly agrees, despite being angry with, Je- angry with Jesse about him using the word on her. All she needs is a gun. Uh, so there's a lot here. Um, hair star perusing the file. So there's a few different things here. There's one later on as well in, in the final act that we'll get to. But uh, I saw things like a picture of an orphanage of some kind or a large building with several windows. Oh, I yeah. Necessarily know what that was. Lance is pointing towards Nick knowingly. <laughs> I know what that is. It's my orphanage. 
No, yeah, we know. And we are, uh, I, I don't know if I can speak for you, but I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Just, let's just, let's just get there already. <laughs> yeah. God, the sound effect. Like, yeah. they just keep playing that shit over and over. Uh-huh. We didn't talk about that. We don't need to, but. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my few notes on this episode. Was like, yeah, and Mike wrote in and, and said to rewatch that scene very closely and listen to things, but I didn't want to do that because I don't necessarily want, I'm still kind of blissfully unaware I know there's something there, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, just let it go for now. But I, honestly, you've heard the key. You've heard the key sound that keeps playing, and yeah. I was like, and I still can't recognize what it is, even though you're like, awesome. you know what it is. Yeah, but. you do, but you don't. Um, uh, it's great. I'm, I mean, I'm glad, but let's let's go. Yeah, uh, there was a Jesse's driver's license. This is a Texas driver's license with a July 30th, 1984 birth date, which I thought was just. Interesting to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, several different newspaper articles. Uh, there was mention of a detective Raymond Weller. Does that mean anything to you guys? Was the person so. working on the case of Jesse's father's death? I believe. Oh, I don't it's think kind so. of okay. No. I didn't know if it was just like a little because I was pausing and reading. Yeah, yeah. I saw that there were two headlines that were the same. Yeah. 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 Um. Jesse's arrest record was in there. He's born in Laredo and driving a tan 1978 Ford Duster. Uh, picked up at the rest stop near mile marker 113 and arrested for assault and disorderly con- conduct. Sounds about right. Um, another news article that was preacher claims he will call down God, which is clearly from the Anvil newspaper. Shadow Point Memorial Hospital visit. Shadow Point, even any kind of Easter egg? Like I was, I was expecting some of these to be Easter eggy, but some of them are. Yeah, at least one God, said patient weird. cannot move his arm. His leg has a large gash. Was what I was able to read on like the condition, but and then uh, Jefferson High School conduct report in the lunchroom in February of 1998 was another one that I <laughs> saw as well. So <laughs> just a bunch of cool little things in there that oh, I figured cool. I would call attention to. That is cool. Yeah, very nice. Um. But yeah, the, we get a little bit more of the Cassidy uh, Denis dynamic here after knowing that he is he turned into a vampire and kind of seeing Denis dealing with it. We get some more English from Denis. He thanks uh, Cassidy. <laughs> so um, sad. It was so sad. <laughs> Something about that whole relationship just bums me out. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, everything about it bums me out. But that that's when he calls him Papa. I think that I get yeah. really sad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cassidy was selling it pretty well. I felt with like, oh, 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 don't, don't drink so fast now. Yeah. You know, like very, very fatherly. Yeah, yeah, very fatherly, and also like absolutely, like I think Nick is is calling it when Denise gonna like snap at the wrong moment or go take things too far, and and Cassidy's gonna realize that he doesn't have the temperament. Like I think we're getting those early inklings of like he will not be a vampire that will be in control of his faculties. So, uh, Jesse does ask Cassidy, he's like, why didn't you talk to me about that? And Cassidy says, well, would you have thought it was a good idea? And then Jesse kind of responds, well, of course, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't take that at face value one minute. Like, I don't, I don't think Jesse would, Jesse would have. Jesse's reaction to Cassidy as a vampire in season one, I think alone kind of tells me that there's no way that he would be okay with the propagation of vampires in any way. Like, yeah, that's right. That's true. So I like that exchange to me was, was a little weird, but 
allowed Cassidy to snipe at Jesse a little bit more of like the, you know, just to kind of be a dick towards him, I guess. Uh, and then the tulip situation. We've already talked about this quite a bit, so I don't know that we need to say a whole lot more with it. But um, the even the idea that Jesse kind of comes to her and is like, I think you need a fight to heal. And then kind of is like, like he sees how mad she is about the word situation that I think... Um, Like, it's weird because he goes, oh, maybe you should put your feet up in a hotel. Like, it didn't seem like, like, like that situation could easily be played off as like reverse psychology of like, oh, you know, maybe you can't handle this kind of thing. <laughs> but he seems to play it very straight. And then she's like, well, no, I'm going to do this fight. Like. The reverse did, psychology thing's interesting because. Because. I, I don't know if I should say too much about how Jesse treats Tulip in the comic. Uh, yeah, I think... I mean... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's err on the side of, of yeah. caution. But, uh, but he, he generally okay. wants to keep her out of harm's way. Yeah. Even yeah. if she can't handle herself, he's usually like, why don't you sit this one out? Mm-hmm. Me and Cass got it. Okay. Because you know, I got the word and he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. And But Jen, yeah. and she's always like, hell no. Well, and but I didn't... That's the thing, is that like I feel like it could have... Like, if that scene was performed differently, it could have played out that way. But it's, like, he almost legitimately seems like he's like, maybe you shouldn't be at this one. And then she says, no, I want to be here. I just need a gun. So, yeah, there's maybe a, this a way of coaxing weird. her, like, yeah, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a motivational speech, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of neutrality in his performance during scenes opposite her that is frustrating. Yeah. Because I can't figure out what he genuinely wants. Yeah. Which maybe is okay. Uh, as a viewer, I don't think you necessarily have to be in the know of all the characters' thoughts and decisions, but I mean, it makes you more invested if you understand what they're thinking. Yeah. Plus, I mean, when you're reading the book, you're almost reading it from Jesse's perspective, much of it. So you kind of know what's going on in his head. Yeah. That makes sense. So maybe I'm feeling just a little Maybe alien- it's hard alienated. to not know that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts in Act 3? All right. Act 4, the Grail finalizes uh, professionals for Hairstar and Brad as well. Uh, Tulip pays a visit to Featherstone and asks to borrow the gun, which she willingly hands over, knowing that Brad can't be stopped by a gun. The cleaner finally stops by to clean up Denise's apartment. Uh, apartment. Jesse checks in with the perimeter as well as Tulip and Cassidy when Denise decides to turn on his record player and dance to Edith Piaf's Non Je Ne Regret Rien, which is the song from Inception, mm-hmm. uh, much to Jesse's dismay. A large masked man starts terrorizing the police on the street, which, coupled with Denise's music, spooks Jesse and Tulip. Tulip shoots the cleaner because she thought he had a gun, but he didn't. And the man terrorizing the police turns out to be a random drunk, but Jesse is still convinced that the Grail will strike tonight. Uh, Cassidy throws him some shade since Tulip is clearly not well. And Featherstone laughs off the events from her security booth as Brad, the battle-ready, remote-operated aerial drone, flies by overhead. Um, 
Is it B R R A A D? So many R's. Well, the, it, I guess it would technically be B R R O A D, but I think there's hyphens in there that yeah. hide some of the. Okay. Yeah. That would just be really funny if the. I, I it went by so quickly and I didn't bother to read it. I just got the gist of it. Yeah. It would have been really funny if it was like a series of R's and A's. So it's just like <laughs> Brad. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, so the, this is kind of the point where like Tulip, Tulip seems extremely out of it. Yeah. Asking prior, prior to this, asking, give me a gun, but then like pointing at the ceiling and being weird. Yeah. Totally meant that she wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, it's not like, uh, I don't know. I, she seems I maybe maybe that's the point is that like I I guess I take Tulip as being pretty unflappable in these kind of situations and maybe the fact that she seems extremely off is the point here but Jesse doesn't really react to it as much as I think he should however Cassidy is still kind of like oh yeah you know the grail's still coming that's a great thing for Tulip to like Tulip's going to be excited about that <laughs> I think the show is doing a very poor job of portraying what sleep deprivation does to a person. Yeah. I was actually just reading something not too long ago about um, when you're sleep deprived by X amount of hours over your normal schedule, like what it does to your brain. Yeah. And people who are, I don't remember the exact figure, so I'm hesitant to try to take a stab at it, but it was within like a reasonable amount of sleep deprivation that like a college student or somebody might endure. But they said you basically... Your brain functions as though you are at like the legal limit of uh, inebriance. Yeah, and like you know, x amount of hours beyond that, something low, like six hours or four hours or something beyond that, and you're like a drunk person. Yeah, and the way you're in your reaction time and your cognitive process, and just how without getting, you know, a, a nice solid, uh, you know, we'll say seven ish hours of sleep a night. Yeah, um, obviously that routine is important for people, but without getting like regular sleep, you just don't your brain functions as though you are impaired. Yeah. And it's something that we don't place enough emphasis on, like as a society. Mm-hmm. And there's all this, uh, you know, it's p- part of the modern, I think just like culture is the idea that you sleep less, you do more and you just drink coffee to make up for it. Yeah. But you actually function less effectively with less sleep regularly. Yeah. Whereas like you'd be, you'd be better off doing less work for two hours, sleeping two more hours and you'll get the same amount of work done because you will be more thinking more clearly. Yeah. yeah. So if Tulip really is like, let's take a conservative guess and say for the last five days or so she hasn't slept, I mean, she's a lunatic at this yeah. point, I think. And Which that, yeah, I guess that makes sense. There's a part, there's a reason that sleep deprivation is a, is a time-tested and I'd assume very effective form of torture because you your mind will start to like unravel. So if that's the kind of timeline we're playing with here and that she really hasn't slept she, and she's been getting shot in those off hours, then... <laughs> Yeah, I think I kind of see what's going on here, and I wish this show was maybe painting that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I think I think some of that consistency between her and Jesse is not helping the keeping that through line of like, and him putting her to sleep, like he put her to sleep with the word, but it clearly didn't like fix things. She still has that sleep deficit, which I think mm-hmm. is accurate to real life. Like. Oh yeah, you wouldn't be really able to sleep she one night and and have better. it all work okay. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's fair. Maybe maybe I'm I'm not giving it enough credit or not. No, like, I think I think the show is just not conveying the fact that she's. I mean, we're not spending any time with her. Yeah. not sleeping. So, 
I mean, if she's literally there all night, we, we're not. We haven't seen even just one scene of her like staggering back to the apartment would make it would help tie it together with like the sun coming up and her like clearly looking shitty. I mean, she doesn't even look that bad yeah. as she should. Yeah, but whatever. We also didn't see Jesse wake her up. Like he didn't say wake up. She woke up on her own, which right? is weird because that wouldn't happen. No, unless it just happened off off camera. He like woke her up. And then or waited, like waited her for her to like, like rub her eyes. Wake up in two hours <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, scheduled it. Told her <laughs> exactly. to wake up and then ran out to go deal with the police team. Could yeah. be. We also skipped the part where she borrowed the gun. Uh, no, oh, that yeah. that's just no? at the beginning of, of this. I apologize. Oh, okay. so I, I did, I did kind of jump over that a little bit. but Yeah, yeah. I, I need want... your gun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. can't tell you what it's for. Did she say something like that? Yeah. She's like, I need it. Yeah, I can't you tell you what it's for, but I need it. She's like, well, she goes and picks up the gun, and they give you that little bit of hesitation of her maybe thinking, like, maybe I should just shoot her right now. Yeah, the way she was holding it. Yeah, but then, obviously, she hands it to her with it pointed towards herself, so mm-hmm. she's kind of like, okay, well, you know, yeah. I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah. But then, I like, Featherstone's like, let me know if you need any help. <laughs> like, I <laughs> thought that that was pretty good. Sure. But, sure. Yeah, I, I got to... I I thought that Comic Tulip would be way more suspicious of this woman than TV uh, Tulip, and yeah. I'm gonna chalk it up to the lack of sleep. Yeah, but I feel like her hackles would be a lot more raised. Like, who is this woman? Well, yeah, and as we talked last week, it seemed like she was maybe onto it a right. little bit. So maybe that's just not quite coming to a head yet. Hmm. Yeah. Oh well, I thought it was a good scene though, and I liked that Hoover was kind of was like, "Why'd you give her a gun?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Hoover. <laughs> Uh, big Brad, big fake Brad. Mm-hmm. Big fake Brad was really scary with the mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was he wearing an Obama mask? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I think you might be right. That was so weird. Mm. That was so creepy. Yeah, <laughs> all these details I have questions about. I don't bother to rewind and like answer them for myself. I'm just like, <laughs> I'll ask you Alex later. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't realize what kind of mask it was, but that seems that that would make sense. Uh, that was so creepy and <laughs> so cool. But then once he got up to the car. Once we got a look at him, and I was like, he's a big, giant, shirtless man. I was like, bullets will stop Brad yeah. if that's Brad. Yeah. I don't know what she's so talking that, about. Yeah, that can't be Brad. That's true. So then the uh, the Acme cleaning company <laughs> cleaner. <laughs> yeah, Acme. I thought that was like, come on, guys. You you thought of <laughs> other brands, you know? I, I I saw that, and I was like, okay, so this guy's a red herring. Because there's no way that the Acme cleaning guy would be the real... But he was so like shady looking. Yeah, you may as well have cast like Michael Shannon in that role because he, he just had this look about him where I was like, "Ew, that guy's grimy." Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was good. But good. both of them for for a beat, I was like, could the, "For uh, Big Brad, I thought was Brad for way longer because just the way it happened was so nasty and weird." Yeah, I was scared when he walked out and then there was a gunshot. I I thought something. I didn't think it was what it was. Yeah, you, you yeah. thought something happened on the yeah. street with the cops? Yeah. No, I thought no. In, in the apartment. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. You thought Which maybe would have devastated me. Cleaner guy shot somebody. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm. yep. Yeah, no, that was... Yeah, the, they, it was the kind of little surprises that they pulled that are so obvious now that I was like, of course it wasn't that. Why did I think it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the the big wrestler Brad had me going for a second. I was like, yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, Denis dancing in his apartment. I'm kind of enjoying his gleeful joy. I like it. Yeah. I like it because it's like he's born again. Yeah. It's all for vampires. I mean, some interpretations or whatever of vampires is 
about all pleasure, yeah. having having a good time and yeah. all that stuff. So I, I like that he's dancing around and really just taking it all in, drinking well, it all in, as they would say. And the man, like, it's a totally different portrayal of Denis, obviously. Like, it, it is an absolute character change, and seeing him perform that, I think, has yeah, been it, entertaining. It's very effective, yeah. watching him turn into, like, this... It's kind of adolescent. In the a lot smiling, of ways. like yeah, being the being the son that he never got to be, maybe. Yeah, and I think, you know, basically as Lance said, yeah, and that's part of what makes me think there's a larger story here with the vampires. I think that they're generally portrayed as being societal and very hedonistic, like it's all just pure pleasure, as you said all yeah. the time. Yeah. And I, there was some work of fiction. I don't remember what it was. It could have been any vampire movie, excluding Twilight, that. <laughs> explained what it feels like to be a vampire is just like i can't remember the phrase but there, there was some phrase i thought about like it feels like something is rushing through your veins or something like that about how you always feel just like primed up and mm-hmm. just like the best you've ever felt in your life mm-hmm. and so i'm sure for denny part of the joy is not just the uh prospect of living forever and and being you know uh, healthy but he, he probably just the physical change he feels going from a dying old man to like a prime of your life vampire, so to yeah. speak, is probably so overwhelming. It's probably like just like a constant drug high. Like he just can't come down from it right now and he just feels so good. Yeah. He just wants to blast the pee off and get rowdy. Yeah, I he, he obviously feels better than he has probably Ever. since before yeah. that <laughs> cancer since, or since whatever. He was 25, he had. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit, so. I felt better when I was twenty five than I do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh it is fun to watch, but at the same time, it stressed me out the same way Jesse oh, yeah. stressed out. Where I was like, "Oh man, just turn that shit down." It was a very frenetic. It was well done. Yeah, absolutely. That whole sequence it it certainly put you. It made you uncomfortable in the same way that they were for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on Act Four? All right, Act Five. Hoover worries about being close to Brad's strike point, but Featherstone dismisses it by saying Brad is very precise, but it would be a noble cause to die for anyway. Hairstar opens up an Angelville pamphlet as three professionals pay him a visit. As they have their way with him, he realizes that Jesse Custer is his missing puzzle piece. After they finish, Brad fires a missile towards Jesse, but Hairstar calls it off, causing Featherstone to redirect it. And it turns out that she chose actor, singer, talk show host Harry Connick Jr.'s house. A week later, Jesse uses the word to tell the cops to go home and forget about what they've been doing. He heads to the bar to drink some rat water whiskey, which I really want a bottle of, by the way. <laughs> and we hear that the terrorists have taken credit for the drone strike on Harry Connick Jr.'s house. <laughs> <laughs> Hairstar walks in and introduces himself to Jesse, saying he may have a way to help Jesse in his quest to find God. Uh, Hoover's... Hoover, uh, Featherstone being like, it would be a noble cause if we died for this. And Hoover's like, yeah, totally. And then his like, oh my God, you're an insane woman look on his face is fantastic. Hoover's the real MVP. Yeah. Um, The Angelville pamphlet has several titles in it saying tarot, curses, fortune telling, voodoo, and soul salvation. So I couldn't read any of the actual text in it. It's a little bit too low quality for me to to see but clearly something's going on in angelville and it's important to people in the story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. any thoughts (laughs) nothing you don't need to have any thoughts on that oh plenty but just can't wait we'll hold them yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so this is the professionals visiting hair star. Sure. I know that you had a few thoughts on it, but just kind of the, we see them having their way with hair star and he has a very kind of non, not he, he's having a very non reaction to it all. He's very nonplussed by the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's not like a, There's the, I mean, if, in hearing people talk about these kinds of traumatic experiences, obviously, like, there's the idea that your your brain shuts off in, as a defense mechanism, and I, that's not what I get out of Hairstar's, like, boredom. I think... In the situation. I think it's a bit of a been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. For him, and which is a, a deviation from the comic. In the show, I think it they just play it off more as, like he has explored every corner of sex that there is to have been explored. And mm-hmm. it's just more of an inconvenience. Almost like he's like, he realizes, Oh, the no means yes. Uh, I'm not going to get yeah, out of this. Yeah. I may as well just, mm. you know, get it over with. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's kind of how I thought it came across in the show. The Jesse being the puzzle piece thing is interesting at this moment of kind of discovery for Hairstar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the book, I think it's pretty safe to say that Hairstar is obsessed with Jesse. Okay. He's obsessed with finding him. And I think that we're kind of at that place now. Like, that's why earlier in this episode, when he's kind of dismissive of it, he's like, ah, who cares Yeah. about his superpower? Um, I was like, oh, come on. That's not, he should be really into it. And yeah. now I think something has clicked. And I'm not sure what it was, though. Like, it's just... Yeah, exactly. Because he's just kind of looking at the name on the file. He's not looking at anything in the file that gives him that eureka moment, I think. Right. So, I don't... I, I, I agree. I, it was a little unclear to me as to why that would be the conclusion that he arrives at at that point in time, but... Yeah, the, but that's... I'm glad that, that that's on the tracks now. Because yeah. he, he pretty much... He devotes insane resources to trying to find Jesse and pin him down in the comics to to the mm-hmm. point of hilarity. Like I said, a lot of it is really inept because Jesse does not go down easily. It's interesting because I feel like this kind of arc could maybe have, like the way that you're describing it, it's like we got that season one, which is like issue zero of the comic in a way, and like we're still kind of backfilling for Hair Star because he gets introduced in season two. Like may, maybe maybe they just wanted to take that time to build that motivation and that connection for Hair Star, right? Even if they didn't necessarily do it with like the most clear. Yeah, it was strange timing. Yeah, but uh, there was something else too that uh, earlier I forgot to mention that Featherstone really quickly offers herself up to Star. To, yeah, to be yeah. the object of his uh, of his rape fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's that's good because she she definitely uh, she's definitely into him in the book. Okay. But, mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the show she is as well already, but I think it's also simultaneously her like it's devotion her, to the Grail. Yeah, yeah it's really it's well devotion to the Grail and potentially like a like a uh, almost like a power hungry kind of yeah do what it takes to climb to the top. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of situation. Get closer to Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. I thought that was a good a good beat though. Yeah, yeah. Of, thank you for mentioning that. She I, just okay. she gets into explicit detail about what she should be doing. <laughs> and he's just like, no. Yeah. Uh, 
Ray Connick Jr. joke. Yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thumbs yeah. up. I was kind of like, oh, man. I, I was one, like, why, why Harry? As All soon right. as soon as we get to the point where they need to redirect the missile, I was like, okay, what is this joke going to be? What's the who, target? Who is it or what is it? Yeah. I was like, who's in New Orleans? I was like, I, I couldn't come up with anything. So the fact that it's just like Harry Connick Jr., I'm like, okay, that's fine. Talk show I, host. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like. I think it's just funny that terrorists claim claim credit for it. Too. Yeah, it's it's almost like the gla- the Grail doesn't need to work that hard to cover themselves up because there's other people around willing to take credit for their work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, so the explosion that levels Harry Connick Jr.'s house. Yeah, the, apparently, the I was like, cloud. I was like, yeah, that would have killed you, Featherstone and Hoover for sure. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Liquefied. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, so the meeting of the two people, uh, uh, Star and well, Jesse. real quick before we yeah, get to ahead. that, there there was another instance earlier in this episode when Hairstar is reading his prison architecture stuff. He gets this cat pop up, and he exits oh, yeah. it out and yeah. ends up kind of accidentally turning on the surveillance feed of Jesse, I believe, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leads him to open up the file. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, Featherstone deals with the same pop up when trying to. <laughs> trying to redirect the missile i don't part of me feels like there's more there but i don't know what it could yeah. possibly be like almost like maybe there's somebody fucking with the grail hmm. but there's it there's literally those two moments to go off of and it's probably me just reading into them being like wouldn't it be funny if they had like a pop-up I, I, that's mm-hmm. kind of what my take was. Yeah, which I, total, I totally yeah. get that. But just like the, I don't, there's something about it to me that makes me want to read into it more. But I loved it when it popped up for her. Do you star. like cats? Mm-hmm. Do you like, <laughs> like cats? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was like, he's going to say no for sure. Yeah, it just keeps, no. Yeah. It just keeps hitting it. It was so good. Yeah. So, Jesse okay. meeting her star. So, yeah. Um, you know. Good, good time to for them to be introduced because, like, I think Jesse is clearly at a low point. You know? Yeah, um, he's got no leads yeah. at this point. Yeah, and you can even say stars kind of at a at, at a turning point. Yeah, especially for what happens to him, and um, he's he's probably got some got some ideas about what he can do with Jesse. So, so in the books, is the idea of them quote unquote cooperating? Is that does that play out in any measure? No. 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 So, not. so we never see this idea of Hairstar maybe enticing Jesse into And you know, maybe Jesse's gonna gonna go along with it. Be, yeah, because you know, he, yeah. Yeah. he wants something he needs to get back on that trail of finding mm-hmm. God again. Yeah. I can't even think of what Hairstar's plan is though. Like I I, mm-hmm. I know in the book what Hairstar's goal is. I don't see it in the show yet, though. Mm, yeah. So, and also, I, I can't remember where we landed on this. Does the Grail know that God's not around right now? I think that I think they have to because the because they ran the, the video, audition, right? Yeah, the audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark Harrelick's audition tape was uh, <sighs> R.I.P. Baby. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So it, here's what I will say to that: is knowing slight amount of comic book detail or at least from what you guys have said and from what some of the emails have said I still don't see what Hairstar's deviation from the grail is yet 
with what you were just saying. Like you, you know what Hairstar's ultimate motivation, what he wants to do, and what he's trying to do is. In yeah. terms of what I've seen in the show, I don't know that yet. I'm not right. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, we can't really say. Yeah, I mean, you, if you, I think if you I, I, like my my fear through well my theorization, my my postulation that I've had in the past was that Hairstar being the kind of person who seems like he would want to rule the world having the word would be a great tool to do that with that's that like that is just my that like obvious that's a logical those dots are there and they're easily connected okay that's so that's so that that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say it's a bingo it's all (laughs) it's it's all there you just need to put it together yeah you you did i mean i think that you are correct i i can see where that makes sense but the idea that he's kind of just getting there you know obviously like right that, 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 that's what i'm saying i yeah. i know it but it's i don't see it there yet and yeah. i wonder what he has to bring to jesse that he thinks because it seems like he's going to try to coerce him into something or manipulate him into helping him by sitting down with him at a bar and yeah. saying i came alone because i guess the, I, <laughs> I don't get that though like in the book he wouldn't do that see but here's the thing is that like because he was so dismissive, dismissive of the idea of Genesis in the first place, like, oh, that's not a power, that kind of thing. Like, maybe he doesn't understand how to extract Genesis at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. he doesn't know how to harness that power for himself except to befriend Jesse. Like, maybe he's going to try and make Jesse part of the Grail or something of that sort. Yeah, that's true. So I don't... I think that Star, as we saw from his... Uh his qualifying rounds to be in the grail, he, he, it would be the date scenario. We would sit down and say, mm-hmm. tell me where it is or I kill your whole family. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what he would do to Jesse. He would mm-hmm. just, I mean, he would go into the apartment, grab Tulip and Cassidy, round them up, put guns to their heads. I'm going to kill them. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I, that's the hair star approach. So he's either that or storm the bar with like 200 soldiers and <laughs> Jesse would find his way out of it. It would be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see how it plays out in the next episode. I, I yes. presume. Yeah. Very, we better. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was a it was a good ending, and I, I was I'm intrigued to see where how that's going to play out and and where it's going to go. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. How how how's Jesse going to react to this German guy? <laughs> Just like, what would you what'd you say? <laughs> Did he what? So he sits down, and Jesse turns to him, and does he not even say anything? Does Hair Star just talk to him? Uh, Je- Jesse looks at him and says, "That's a nice suit," because right. he notices Cause it's he, the Grail. So he, okay, that's right. He puts two and two together, so he knows right away that this is someone from the Grail. And then Star is like, "It was made by a person who was that's right. skillful and <laughs> that doesn't a blind exist." Blind Hungarian the, yeah. seamstress. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Right, right. So Je- right, right. Jesse must know that he's got something to do with the Grail. For some reason, I had this. Uh, image in my head of star sitting down and just staring at him and jesse looking at him like yes who the (laughs) hell is this guy with his eye scar yeah yeah no that's true i forgot about the heat so he id'd him so he knows yeah and he knows he's yeah because then he looks around the room and that's when star has to tell him he came alone he's alone yeah Mm -hmm. yep uh all in all i i wouldn't say that i found this episode disappointing like i do think no not at all i guess uh there was something that i did want to kind of uh, one last point that I wanted to discuss from an email from Mike. He said, the complaints about the plot not advancing, 
This is the problem with serialized drama format, since you can't have action, 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 or you will burn out too quickly. Too much show plot will frustrate viewers. In parentheses, he puts the farm episodes of The Walking Dead. And he says, I agree they need to be more on point with the main plot. However, it's the side plots that make the story great. As I said before, the gang in the books fall ass backwards into problems where they go to A, but B happens instead and takes them 12 issues to resolve. For a TV example, going to New Orleans where they just happen to run into Vic, uh, Victor. So the idea that we are getting these more character moment oriented episodes as opposed to things that are really driving the plot forward. Like this episode, I know that Joseph said that he was disappointed in this episode because he feels like we're retreading a lot of old plot points. But like I, I was wondering if we could maybe talk about that a little bit because to me, it's not that. I'm able to get into good character development. And obviously I'm very interested when plot develops as well. But even in something like this episode where I think we pretty clearly voiced that the Jesse Tulip stuff is not hitting the right chord. And then on top of that, it's mostly just, uh, well, the Grail fails a bunch of times. And then finally, like the only real development we get is Hair uh, Star and Jesse meet. Like, I don't know. Like, it's almost as bad to me as when they, like, did an episode of Friends when there was just a bunch of clips from a previous episode. Which they did, like, every season. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, did it so. once a season. Yeah. Like, Nicole's been watching those, and I'm almost like, you can skip this one because it doesn't matter. <laughs> always. But, I always yeah. skip that one. Oh. So, like, those bottle episodes. It, like, not that this was one, but, I like, I feel like... um. I feel like there's a better balance to strike, you know? Yeah, I uh, I think that we can safely say nobody at this table is opposed to character-driven episodes. I yeah. think we even mm-hmm. praised, uh, uh, was it last week or the week prior, where it was like a heavy character episode. It was last week, yeah. And it, it was fantastic. Is it was the last week? I said it was probably my favorite of the season. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was ready. Like I was thinking, you maybe didn't like it a lot, and I personally was like, I don't know how much I like that. But after we discussed it, I was like, I feel a lot better about this episode now that I realize what was going on. Right. Yeah, because it was good stuff, and I mean, the Victor subplot is an interesting example because ultimately, what did that do for the show or for anybody? Like, did we need it? Maybe it tried to shed some stuff about Jesse where he's like. He kept on calling him an asshole, and you know, I mean, I could have figured that out myself. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it like it didn't even serve to like. I guess the flashbacks. Nick said he's like I didn't even necessarily need to know what happened, but like after Dallas, but before the series started between Tulip and Jesse, but it was really good. I did like it, and I I, I think the flashbacks were well done and i liked the scenes of jesse and tulip in the apartment and him just kind of sleepwalking yeah similar to how she's doing now actually which is kind of interesting but but that didn't like none of that involved victor it was how she got to victor but it just took forever yeah i would almost rather i'm i'm not i'm not opposed to flashbacks i'm not a anti-flashback person yeah firefly yeah right on you know what i'm talking about the best episode of the show. Yeah. <laughs> out of gas. Yes. All flashbacks predominantly, and they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, listen, the first three years of Lost and even beyond. <laughs> pretty much, there's more flashback than real time. Yeah. 
and it all works because it's just well done mm-hmm. for the first well most of the first season but anyway i i know that a lot of people a lot of writers and screenwriters and and teachers and stuff will be quick to say that flashbacks are crutches vo is a crutch phone calls are cr- lance is nodding he knows what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah and uh that these things are all crutches and they can be, but in the hands of a, of good writers, these things can all enhance. Like, look how damn interested I am in the phone call with Seamus. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's a, it's an open-ended phone call, mm-hmm. but it, oh boy, does it have me intrigued. And I think that we could have just seen some of those flashbacks uh, running alongside why Jesse and Tulip aren't on the same plane right now. And I probably would have liked it better than all the Victor stuff. Because the Victor stuff, it just... It's kind of like season one in a way where everything that happened in Anvil mattered, but Anvil's gone. Mm-hmm. And there's no, everyone's like, well, and they just like wipe their hands and walked away like that's done. And that's kind of the way the Victor thing feels now. Like Victor's dead. Uh, well, Victor's not. Oh, yeah, he is dead. He mm-hmm. got killed oh, yeah, by the saint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all that did was steer the saint closer to them, which I guess he had to get there anyway, but he could have just showed up. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah. So. I, I don't think we've ever said anything like, oh, action, 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 please. Uh, as much yeah. as we love the action, I yeah. think I'm I'm all in for character stuff. And I, I totally recognize that they do fall into these situations in the comics where they, they take them off the, the beaten path. That's actually probably what most of the book is, is them just trying to find God and stumbling around and getting into weird situations. But they don't take 12 issues to resolve. A lot of them are much more brief than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that they can be condensed down even further for television. Like these, these could be two episode things that happen. Or like even, even like a like, the monster of the week format is pretty <clears throat> well known. And the idea that like they would be like it's 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 possible to be telling these little side stories in a more concise way that also informs the characters yeah. a little bit. So it like, and. Well, it's not bad. Well, none of the Victor stuff was bad. I just think it could have been better. There may have been better stuff. But yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it is what it is. It's hard for it to... Like, it, it, it feels like treading water because they don't want to get to God yet. You know? Like, yeah. it feels like they are purposefully putting it off. Which, I get it. Like, obviously, things need to happen on the road in the story. But... right. The idea that it's there to just be a stumbling block rather than to also really give us more context about the characters, like I don't know, the the Victor thing is a little baffling, and maybe maybe we need to revisit that at the yeah, end of the season. Perhaps on a second to, on a second viewing, it'll be more rewarding. But yeah. I mm-hmm. I do remember thinking like there's better stuff we can be doing with these characters, like and and a ton of the good stuff from Tulip and Jesse is flashback stuff. Yeah. Like a ton of what makes Jesse compelling is his past. And if we're going where I think we're going and where the show seems to be going, season three is going to be the bomb. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm a little bit spoiled because of book knowledge, but yeah. season two has at times felt like a big drag. And uh, while it has been a good show, for sure, a great yeah. show even, sometimes I think like we could be doing better. But I'm not, I feel like we've gotten off the, yeah, I, off the track. You know, I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on that. Because yeah. like, you, you, you said what I wanted to say with the situation, which is that we're not asking for action every episode. Mm-hmm. 
We're not asking for God to be at the end of the season. I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually. He know. doesn't. He doesn't have to be if it doesn't fit. Yeah. But it right. feels like we could get there in some instance, or we need. Because I, I feel like almost every episode of our show, I've been saying like we need to get back on track to finding God, and I know that's what Jesse's been after. Like in every episode, he's talking about how he, he needs to find God, but the show needs to help him out a little here and like. And actually, it sounds like Hair Star might be here to do that, right? And episode needs to be what? Someone in Nine, charge. Ten? Yeah. So almost the end of the season. We're yeah. At, yeah. Right now, I guess. And I, I get the. I get the the biggest restriction is probably just logistically in, in real life dollars and cents and and shooting in New Orleans or you know spending a whole season in one place makes sense yeah because flying your crew all over the world or all over the nation to shoot like our first half of the season is in New Orleans and the next half is in Chicago or whatever yeah that would be crazy but it's doable yeah AMC mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well even so like yeah. people have gotten very good at shooting sit in certain cities for other cities yeah so the idea that maybe they could pick something that would allow them to stretch it and play it a little bit and then they could do obviously establishing shots and other things to mm-hmm. make it to fake it mm-hmm. obviously it presents a challenge but i think it's one that people are well up to and the the situation with dennis seems like it's going to be a big giant uh bomb that blows up in everybody's face and mm-hmm. maybe part of the reason we have been loitering around in new orleans for so long is because it's been leading up to that and if so that's cool because they've been sneaking it under my nose here and i haven't suspected it because i've been kind of like what the hell are we doing here but yeah if the dentist thing turns into a big deal which it kind of feels like it might uh then, i feel like it might yeah. then maybe it'll make more sense why we've been here for so long we've been getting to know the situation and that sort of thing yeah uh but we'll have to see any final thoughts, Lance? No, no, that's I, I, I agree wholeheartedly that, uh, yeah, we're, we, we are kind of delaying just because, you know, they, they want to stretch it out to 13 episodes or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The but, last few are probably going to be crazy, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. This was episode nine, right? This was nine, mm-hmm. so we got four more after this. All right. Yeah. There's just still a lot of TV. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Some of these episodes, I, I they fly by. And yeah. So some, we didn't visit... Uh, uh, hell again. This episode, yeah, no hell, yeah. Uh, but in the last episode, was there any? See, that's uh, another thing, man. No. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, the hell stuff. It's uh, it's good, but at the same time, like if if the end game is that Arseface gets out of hell and he comes after Jesse because he's angry, they could have just done that. Mm-hmm. And like, did what episode that was a flashback? That, that could have happened in the in the in the premiere of this season, like. Eugene makes it out of hell and he's fucking pissed. <laughs> I would have been like, okay. <laughs> right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, or you're not even, you can just show him in hell and like reliving that one scene and be like, oh, that's terrible. And then not see him again until episode nine when he gets out or something like, like later down the road. Yeah. And his performance is so good that I'm glad we got to see some of it. I'm glad we got to see him before he was arse-faced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's all good stuff, but I I just... It's a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will see what next week brings. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, to look back at the end of the season and go, boy, was I wrong. We'll <laughs> see. You were, we kind of did that a little bit last season, so it's not out of the question. True. But. Did that this episode. About <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> we might be on a week-to-week basis here. Yeah. Huh? 
Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on G2TPodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We are G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at G2TPodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the wow. Our theme music is the song "All In" by the Red Thread and is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word. <laughs>